1: Good morning, and welcome to the ProREIT Fiscal 2020 Fourth Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all lines are placed on mute to prevent any background noise. Mr. James Beckerlag, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Mr. Gordon Lawler, uh, Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Secretary, will make a short presentation which will be followed by a question and answer period, open exclusively to financial analysts. In order to ask a question, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star, followed by two. Uh, for your convenience, uh, the press release, along with the fourth quarter financial statements and managements discussion and analysis, are available at ProREIT.com in the Investors section, and on CDAR. Before we start, I have been asked by ProREIT to read the following message regarding forward-looking statements and non-IFRS measures. ProREIT's remarks today may contain forward-looking statements about its current and future plans, expectations, intentions, results, levels of activity, performance, goals or achievements, or other future events or developments. Forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to management and on estimates and assumptions made based on factors that management believes are appropriate and reasonable in the circumstances. However, there can be no assurance that such estimates and assumptions will prove to be correct. Many factors could cause actual results, levels of activity, performance, achievements, future events or developments to differ materially from those expressed or implied by the forward-looking statements. As a result, ProREIT cannot guarantee that any forward-looking statement will materialize, and you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. For additional information on the assumptions and risk, please consult the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking statements contained in ProREIT's MD&A, Dated March 24, 2021, available at www.cedar.com. Forward-looking statements represent management's expectations as of March 24, 2021, and except as may be required by law, ProReed has no intention and undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. The discussion today will include non-IFRS financial measures. These non-IFRS measures should be considered in addition to and not as a substitute for or in isolation from REIT's IFRS results. For a description of these non-IFRS financial measures, please see the 2020 fiscal year and fourth quarter earnings release and MD&A. A reconciliation of non IFRS to IFRS results as applicable may be found in the earnings release and MDNA for the 2020 fiscal year and fourth quarter. Please refer to the non IFRS and operational key performance indicators section in the MDNA for the fourth quarter for additional information. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. James Beckerleg, please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Colin, and uh, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to our uh, year-end review call. As everybody knows, we just ended a truly unprecedented year in the context context of the global pandemic, which is also, of course, continuing to have far-reaching repercussions in the business world. Like most businesses, ProREIT was tested on many fronts during 2020. However, as president and CEO, I can report that I'm very proud of all that we achieved during the past turbulent year. From From the onset of the pandemic, we took proactive steps to protect our employees, our tenants, and the communities where we own properties. And I believe we adapted with agility in a shifting environment and we came together as a strong and unified team working for all of our unit holders on a consistent basis. Our performance reflects a significant value of a strong defensive portfolio, well diversified by asset class and also by geography and tenancies. We believe our solid foundations and the soundness of our business strategy have enabled us to succeed in these very challenging circumstances. They also allowed us to quickly return to growth mode in early 2021 as the economy reopens. In this context, we were very pleased to announce two major transactions last week, subsequent to uh, the fiscal year end. The first is the proposed accretive acquisition of 12 institutional quality industrial assets for just under $87 million. Three of those properties, three of the properties that we're purchasing on this transaction are located in Ottawa, and the balance of the buildings are in Winnipeg. The transaction is already supported by just under $54 million in arranged new mortgage financing. With these additions to our portfolio, we will be expanding our footprint in the industrial sector, which is a key current strategic objective for us. On a pro forma basis, It's great to see that our exposure in this sector will increase to 70% of our gross leasable area, GLA. It will also further diversify our geographic footprint by bringing our exposure to the Ontario market to approximately 31% of our GLA. The second major transaction we announced uh, last week is a $50 million private placement with the Bragg Group of Companies. The Bragg Group is a major Canadian private investor and I believe that all should be thrilled to have them on board as major investors in our, in our REIT. Um, they'll be holding at closing uh, just under 20% of the equity in, in the region. Their substantive investment will provide equity for the 12 acquisitions that we just talked about, as well as enhance our liquidity position in order to capture additional growth opportunities in our acquisition pipeline. We, in fact, are already in discussions regarding the acquisition of six additional institutional quality industrial assets, these located in Atlantic, Canada, uh, for a price range of approximately $47 million. So needless to say, it's been a very busy first quarter for us. Um, But let me just return here to our major topic today, which is a fiscal 2020 review. Despite the pandemic, we achieved solid results highlighting the resiliency of our focus portfolio. We consistently maintain strong rent collection rates, one of the best we believe among our peer group. In fact, our overall collection rate remained above 90%, even in the worst months of the closures. By July, 2020, we are at 98.5%. And then from November through to the present day, it has consistently stood at more or less 100%. These robust results truly highlight, we believe, the stability of our well well diversified tenant base. As I previously mentioned, I am particularly proud of the strength of our retail segment. Our retail portfolio has always been, by strategy, almost exclusively comprised of community strip centers providing essential services anchored by grocery stores and pharmacies. Despite various restrictions imposed throughout the year impacting their operation, They held up exceptionally well, and you will see in our results that only a very small number required our or government program support. We also believe the quality of our longstanding relationships was a key contributor to our successful collection rate in the challenging period we were working in. We worked closely with our tenants and supported select tenants through both rent deferrals that we arranged and under the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program, which we all call Secret. At December 31st, granted net deferrals re- remaining amounted to just $300,000 to be repaid by the tenants um, who are benefiting from those deferrals within the balance of this year. To date, all of our agreed deferred amounts have been successfully collected on schedule. For the full fiscal year, $800,000 of COVID-19 provisions were recorded in our financial statements, including $100,000 of the secret participation um, costs that um, I referenced before. Now, just turning to our leases, we had a fairly large portion of them maturing in 2020. And I was very pleased to report in our results that over 97% were successfully renewed when adjusted for the small sale of a non-strategic property which closed in January. These renewals were secured a positive spreads to existing tenants, existing leases, I'm sorry. So they will generate increased income as we go forward. Uh, Just as an aside here, as for leases maturing in 2021, only 78% are already renewed. And again, a positive average spreads to the maturing lease rates. With respect to occupancy, in 2020, it remained firm at 98% uh, at the end of the year. We closed 2020 with 91 properties in our portfolio, compared to 92 the same period last year, so basically flat. Total assets amounted to $634.5 million. Uh, as part of our year-end review, review, we also updated our independent external appraisals for 71 of our 91 properties. and. Uh, after uh, going through the pluses and minuses, we recorded a fair market value gain of approximately $4 million in the portfolio as a whole. Uh, with respect to acquisitions or in- in diversifications, uh, we spent a pretty prudent and quiet year. We purchased one light industrial property and sold two non-strategic buildings, including a small office building in Q4 uh, for $5 million. Uh, in February of this year, subsequent to the year-end, we also sold another non-strategic uh, light industrial building for $8 million. Let me now just uh, review our uh, financial performance for the year. We delivered solid results despite the many headwinds. Property revenue grew to $69.8 million, a little over 21% increase compared to 2019. Net operating income, NOI, reached $40.5 million, up 14.2% year-over-year, excluding COVID-19 related impacts, NOI was $41.3 million, which would have been up 16.6%. With respect to AFFO, it grew to $22.4 million, which was up just under 10% year-over-year. The solid growth across key indicators was mainly driven by the the, uh, net acquisition activity Uh, that we had concluded in the previous um, two years prior to the the pandemic. As you know, uh, another step taken during the year uh, among our prudent measures was in April 2020 when we responded to the economic volatility flowing from uh, the onset of the disease and our um, Board of Trustees revised our distribution policy at that time to the current very sustainable level, allowing for a reduction in debt and increased flexibility in allocating capital to the benefit of our unit holdings. At that time, we also suspended our distribution reinvestment plan, um, and that's um, subject to review on a go-forward basis. I'll now turn it over here to Gordy. who uh, will go, we'll go through our Q4 financial
3: results. Uh, thank you, Jim, and good morning, everyone. We had good momentum in Q4 and achieved a solid performance. Property revenues stood at $17.6 million, up by 1.6% compared to the same prior year period. This was mainly driven by contractual rent increases and higher rent rate, rental rates on lease renewals. Net operating income amounted to $10 million, comparable to the same period in 2019. Excluding COVID-19 related impacts, net operating income amounted to $10.2 million for the quarter. Same property net operating income reached $9.7 million, a slight increase of $100,000, mainly driven by the higher rental rates on lease remotes, offset by a slight decrease in average occupancy. AFFO dipped by $300,000 to $5.4 million as a result of an increase in maintenance capital expenditures and leasing commissions in the quarter. Our AFFO payout ratio stood at 83.9 compared to 110.5% for the same period last year. This improvement relates to the revision of our monthly distribution that Jim mentioned. Liquidity remained top of mind during the year. The prudent management of our operations and stable cash flow served us well, and we further strengthened our balance sheet. In November 2020, we secured a new $13.3 million term loan with the current lender. Subsequent to year-end, February 2021, we received $46.6 million in new mortgage financing with an extended term repayment, an extended 10-year term repayment at a rate of 3.21%. Following this mortgage refinancing and our two non-strategic asset sales. We increased our operating liquidity to $35 million of availability through cash on hand and undrawn operating facilities. This is expected to improve produce debt to gross book value ratio, which was 57.8% on December 31st, 2020. We are also working on some additional refinancing for 2022 mortgage maturities, we will advise when that it's completed. As for our weighted average interest rate on mortgage debt, it stood at 3.73% at December 31, 2020, compared to 3.74% the same time prior year. Our weighted average cap rate for the portfolio is approximately 6.5%, or $136 per square foot. Now turning to distributions to unit holders, 3.75 cents per unit were declared monthly through the fourth quarter of 2020. I'll now turn the call back to Jim for closing remarks.
4: Thanks, Mike. Uh,
2: so we have at last turned to page in two thousand and twenty a year that uh, I think tested all of our um, tested all of us and uh, all of our resiliences, but it also for Proread, I think highlighted the enduring strengths of our business strategies and with two thousand and twenty one well underway, we actually now see pivotal opportunities on a go forward basis. The Restart of the economy has allowed us to return to our growth plans with the major acquisitions announced in the industrial sector and provides significant opportunities that are already in our pipeline. Our successful private placement will significantly enhance our liquidity position for these future growth opportunities, and we're pleased to have that flexibility. While continuing to adapt to the ongoing pandemic, we've had great conviction in our strategic direction and look to the future with the optimism that I've spoken of. So in closing, I just want to recognize the outstanding contributions of our employees during this last year. And a special thanks goes to, <clears throat> goes to my fellow board members for their continued support and wise counsel. Uh, I can pledge to you all that we will continue to consistently raise the bar with discipline as we move forward on our growth plan. And I hope that benefits all of our unit holders. So that wraps up the the remarks of Gordy and I this morning, the formal part of our remarks, and we're glad to um, um, answer any questions that might be put forward to us now by the analysts.
5: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Uh, Should you have a question please press star followed by one on your touch tone phone. You'll hear a three tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they're received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speaker phone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Leanne Chen from AI Capital Markets. Leanne, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um a couple of quick ones for me. Um just regarding your acquisitions that like you've mentioned uh, located in Ottawa, Winnipeg, and also in Atlanta, Canada. I was wondering if you could raise
4: the uh, transactions are expected to uh, to close. Uh sure you so, so yeah, so so the uh the Ottawa
3: uh uh Winnipeg portfolios uh, I would expect uh, towards the end of April, uh, first 2 weeks in May. Um the other 47 million that we have there that's a little
4: further behind. Uh those deals uh so you'd see towards the end of May or uh, beginning of June, I think.
1: Uh and uh can you, and um can you give us a range for the the cap rates? I, I don't know if you, you mentioned it because it, it briefly cut for me. Oh, so
3: yeah, so cap rate just just a touch above six, actually for six point one percent. If you look at uh, at the numbers that we uh, on the acquisitions that we've noted in our press releases, and uh, including you know the the management profitability of of, of managing those properties. So.
1: Okay, great, uh, thank you. And and just last one for me, just in terms of. Um, you know, it's already a strong pipeline. But in terms of future acquisitions, um, can you share if there's anything else that we can expect for the rest of the year?
2: Well, it's Jim. We've um, and we, I mean, we're seeing a lot of opportunities right now flowing into the market. So I think that there is, there are um, many uh, potential vendors or people who are active in the real estate market who were sort of taking the pause last year and they're returning. So we're seeing a reasonably steady deal flow. And I think there's the opportunity that that may even pick up as the year goes forward, because I know that there are some potential vendors of property and so on who are waiting for um, for more physical openings so that a wider range of potential purchasers can actually visit properties and so on before um, before making bid determinations. So um, we're we're pretty optimistic that uh, that uh, the economy uh you know, unless something unforeseen happens with respect to COVID as the economy starts to continue or continues
4: the growth pattern it's on now, we'll we'll see good opportunities for further growth. Okay, great, thanks. Uh I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Your next question comes from Jenny Ma from BMO Capital Markets. Jenny, please go ahead.
0: Thank you and good morning. Could you you. clarify for for the 6 1 cap rate that is for the Ottawa, Winnipeg, and Atlantic Canada transactions? Uh,
3: Yes, that's really for Ottawa, Winnipeg.
0: Ottawa, Winnipeg, okay. Uh, Would it it be Uh, fair to say that the Atlantic one probably comes in a bit higher than?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, a little bit higher for the Atlantic ones.
0: Perfect. And uh, to the extent you can, can you tell us a, a little bit about the, the vendors of these portfolios? Are they, are they related or are they three separate portfolios? And, and what do you think the motivation to sell uh, was? Uh, I'm trying to get at whether or not there's going to be future opportunity coming from, from these vendors or, or uh, other vendors of this profile.
2: We're still subject to confidentiality, so we have to be a little careful how we answer that question. There's three transactions involved actually. Two of them are institutional vendors. One is private. Um, we have done business with some of the vendors before. Um, I think that the reasons for selling are probably the nature of just institutions re- refocusing or, or, um, or maturing funds or in the case of some of the others, you know, repositioning your portfolio and then um, perhaps the larger properties or things of that nature.
0: Okay, great. Uh, and uh, maybe this is for Gordy. What is the rate on the mortgage debt associated with the Ottawa-Winnipeg transaction?
3: Uh, not uh, not set yet, but uh, the way we underwrote it in that, and where we are in the market here, it'd just be a touch below 3%.
0: Great. And then um, on to the, the other, the new mortgages that you secured, the $46.6 million, the yield maintenance fee of $1.3 million, that's uh, expected to be charged in Q1, correct?
3: Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay, great. Um, and then uh, my next question is um, you know, you're you're buying more industrial properties and, and waiting towards uh, a highly favored asset class, but when you look at the very strong rent collection that you have from the entire portfolio but most uh, meaningfully in the retail portfolio I guess it speaks strongly to the portfolio you have and 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 presumably your ability to, to spot uh, high performing properties um, given that and the expected availability of retail coming to market especially in some of the secondary markets does that give you uh, sort of more confidence to pursue retail uh, retail properties or you know is the view still toward um, staying put on retail and growing out the industrial base
2: I, I think that we're focused right now on on the industrial side of things because we're actually uh, despite the uh, cap compression that's going on uh, see accretive opportunities coming coming forward and we'd like to see a little higher weighting in that sector we're not we're not turning away from retail. and As a matter of fact, the type of retail that we're invested in and could seek in the future is, is still seeing very, very aggressive pricing in most cases. And so we haven't seen significant creative opportunities in, in larger transactions. And honestly, Jenny, we've become big enough that we can't, you know, just put together an agglomeration of $4 million deals. You know, <laughs> It takes too long.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's great to hear. Thank you. I'll pass it back.
1: Your next question comes from Colin Healy from Haywood Securities. Colin, please go ahead. Hey, guys, you might have mentioned, but um, it looks to me
6: like you could manage to uh, close the six acquisitions in the pipeline um, without tapping, tapping additional equity, um, given your liquidity position. Would you say that's the plan or would you look to do another raise to support that uh, potential transaction? We uh, have. Uh, so, so yeah, go ahead. go
4: ahead. No, go ahead.
3: Sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, if you do the math on the sixty million, we have enough there to uh, to close those basically eighteen properties um, uh, there. You know, on a debt neutral basis, we're short a couple million maybe, but uh, yeah, we have enough uh, to close those properties. And then we had some uh, with all the refinancings you see and a couple of asset sales, and there's. Couple of small ones in the, in the future as well. There's some more net equity coming back to us as well, as well. so we don't need to tap the market uh, for, for those uh, for those eighteen assets.
6: Okay, great. And um, just for the for the tenants in, in the Ottawa and Winnipeg acquisitions, can you can you characterize them the way that you have um, for your for your existing portfolio? Is it a mix of government for the Ottawa and, and national, or is it too soon for you to do that?
4: The end, the end yeah well i can it, it it's
2: too soon to give a, a lot of details but it, it's not uh it, it's it's private sector uh it's private sector dominated um it's a type of industrial properties that we are um, the, the ones that are under contract now uh, we've already announced our type type of industrial properties that were already in our portfolio tending to be a smaller bay and uh we, we see we see great opportunity increasing rents in that type of portfolio. Some of what's in our pipeline now are larger logistics style standalone
3: buildings, but um, it's too early to go into more detail on
4: that.
6: Okay, yeah, I thought it might be. But it's not closed yet. Um, on for for mortgage renewals in in 2022, um, how are you approaching? Uh, is there any strategy you can take to kind of lock in lower rates early? Or um, you know, in it with a p potentially uh rates creeping up. Is there anything you can do there and maybe just talk about the the size of the renewals?
3: Yeah, well we have uh about uh at the end of the year if you look, we had about seventy one million coming due in um in two thousand and twenty two, uh, about six million in two thousand and twenty one. So um uh, of that seventy million, we're going to probably pay out a, about fourteen of it. Um, we've refinanced with Industrial twenty-three million of it, uh, with another sixteen million in excess proceeds, and then we're in the market right now with another twenty-one million of of debt there uh, on a retail on some of the retail assets. So, um, leaving basically thirteen million of that, which is likely just a, a pure renewal with the current lender so we think we'll have mostly all of that straightened away pushed out 7 to 7 to 10 years um and you know this next portfolio that we're going out with, uh the the penalties would be a lot a lot less than than the first group. um uh, so yeah we we'll have pretty much 2022 straight away um hopefully in the next couple of months that's you awesome. Opinion?
2: Great color, guys yeah. The the ten year I don't know if Gordy mentioned there the the the, the um, industrial portfolio was just renewed as ten year money.
6: Right, I got that, I
4: yeah. think. Okay, awesome, thank you.
5: I might just say
4: if,
1: no, sorry, go no, ahead. that's
4: fine. I might just say if um
2: if Jenny is still listening, that's one of the other things is driving our uh, the attractiveness of the industrial portfolio is we're finding that there's better lending spreads in that area than there is in retail right now from the major banks as well. So that's just another point I might have mentioned. Anyway, thank thank you.
1: As a final reminder, should you have a question, please press star, followed by one. Uh, your next question comes from Yash St. paul from Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. 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 Uh, Jim, just uh,
4: want to talk a little bit uh, broadly. You mentioned that uh, you want to increase your weighting to the industrial segment. Um, given what you have seen over the last one year, how are you planning to adjust your portfolio weightings uh, going forward? We haven't. We haven't. Um,
2: Uh, set specific um, goals. Our board hasn't set specific um, percentage targets, so it's a little bit more opportunistically driven. We actually are focusing right now on increasing some of the weighting in the industrial portfolio uh, because we see better uh, growth opportunities in in the rents in, in that sector. We're able to buy buildings that are Significantly below replacement costs, despite the increases that's happened in many of the secondary markets, and we see as i as I just said um, significant room for vacancy decrease and pressure up on the upward side on rents um, that's while on the retail sector the performance has been uh good it was as was pointed out by by Jenny and by ourselves um, a little earlier we're not seeing quite the same. Growth opportunities and those rents in the markets that we're in. So we'd like to see a little more direction there. And in office, well, again, office, we would, we just um, for at least these quarters we're in now, we need to see a little more um, direction, you know, in the market and just how the office market is going to react to the changes in the economy before making significant new new investments. But we're we're not announcing we're becoming exclusively an industrial. Because that's what you're asking
4: right uh given um, you know the increase in e-commerce activity and uh, the work from home uh, phenomena are you inclined to s- reduce your exposure to say the office segment given what you, uh, like what you already own would you be looking
2: the office, at that? the office segment that we have right now is um is is performing well um uh, on, on the whole. And, uh, uh but, but uh, so we, we sold, um, in one small building, but we're not looking right now to aggressively sell out of that sector. It's, it's performing. It's mostly in Ottawa. And it's, it's, um, it's performing, um, satisfactorily.
4: And you're not worried and about it, uh, the long-term trends.
2: Well, I, I guess like everybody, we're, we're looking to, to get some further clarity in, in, in the office sector, Yes, But um, uh, I mean, we, we have some, some uh, leases maturing in, in the office sector in, in Ottawa this year. And one or two cases we know toward the end of the year, tenants are leaving and we're, we're having them. They're, they're in the suburban market that we're in, they're being actively Um, you know, visited by potential tenants. So I, 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 you know, there's all these sub markets and the the office buildings that we're in fortunately aren't aren't located on the whole in like the downtown cores of the building that have been sort of hollowed out. You know what I mean? So we're, we're not some, we're just not, we're just not focusing on building our exposure in that sector because we don't see the rent increases, but, we, we haven't taken a decision to um to sell sell any of the handful of properties we have. And our we also break out unlike some of the REITs, you know, a sector called commercial mixed use, which most um most um REITs have lumped in their industrial sector, but we have some sort of semi office exposure in that category, depending on how you, you view the use. And uh, that's performing that type of property is performing very well. And um and we see rent increase opportunities.
4: Okay. Um, now, just uh, moving to the recent acquisitions and the uh, the institutional investors. Um, does the Bragg Group have, or do they own any direct real estate in any? The,
2: Bra- any the of Bragg Any of their group-
4: affiliates or? No,
2: the, well, yeah, the Bragg Group is um, uh, is, is private, so I, I'm not going to tell you that I, I know all of the Bragg family's holdings. I, I don't; they're not. They've indicated they're not they're not active in the real no. estate market in, in, in an operational um, sense. Um, or, or, but I mean, I think that the, the Bragg Group owns lots of real estate in the. Um, uh, in, in the operating businesses that they're in, I mean, you know, through through EastLink, through the Oxford Frozen Foods business, through um, um, so I, I just, but but I, their investment right now is not geared toward um, real estate investments that they're currently holding that they're looking to. I mean, I don't know how the relationship will on to go forward basis, but this is an inbound investment because they like the kind of uh, operation that we're running uh the kind of investments we have the kind of cities we're involved in so it's it's inbound money it's not uh, opportunistic with respect to some other part of your business
4: right um and uh, would it be fair to assume that they wouldn't be influencing your decisions in terms of uh your uh, strategic focus or um, your it's interest a straight... in a particular sector well
2: we we look for Counsel and advice and discussion with, with anybody that owns, like you know, 20% of the company, but they, but the private placement agreement that we've entered into them does not be, does not provide rights or obligations. Not inside. It's a straight inbound investment.
4: Okay, that's a great, color. Thank you. Okay. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Hello.
1: There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. well, I think that wraps it up from our point of view. Um, Gordy and I are always around for any questions that the analysts or other investors in our company may have and uh, we're pleased to take them. So um, thanks, everybody, for being here this morning and
4: uh, look forward to talking to you after the next quarter. That's it, operator. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks very much. Thank you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.